0: Welcome to Let's Talk Luxury, the Mazars podcast series about how and why luxury brands are undergoing a business model makeover. In each episode, luxury experts discuss what's happening in the sector, from authenticity to circularity, new customer cohorts to retail experiences worth posting about. The luxury business model is changing, and in this series, we'll explore how to stay in vogue. So, let's talk luxury. Hello everyone, today's guest is Cressa Wesling, co-founder of the sustainable luxury brand Elvis and Cressa. By transforming decommissioned fire hoses and tea sacks into stunning lifestyle accessories, Kressa and her brand have made a name for themselves in sustainable fashion since 2005. It's great to have you on the podcast Cressa. Hi. For our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Elvis and Cressa, can you tell us about the brand and its approach to sustainable luxury?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Essentially, we do three things. We rescue materials that would otherwise go to landfill. So we look for niche wastes that do not have a current solution in the global recycling system. We transform them into beautiful things, because although I objectively might love a piece of waste, I know that not everyone does. And in order to convince them to come to my side of my way of thinking, we have to make beautiful things. And then we donate 50% of the profits to charity. So from our decommissioned fire hose range, 50% of the profits go to the firefighters charity.
0: You are on a self proclaimed rescue mission. Uh, you said there that you love waste, transforming reclaimed materials using traditional craftsmanship. In your opinion, what does it take for a brand to embrace circularity in this way? And also, how scalable is that approach across the global luxury sector?
1: Well, To give you an idea of how scalable it is, when we started in 2005, the reason we started was because there was a hundred million tons of material going to landfill in the UK. You know, I, I don't think we have a right to use new material for fashion, for luxury, when there are beautiful and wonderful materials to be discovered. And how do brands get engaged with this? This is the real opportunity, okay? Because this is the creative sector. We are theoretically creatives. We're designers. So I think it's about using your imagination. Anybody can, anybody can use a bolt of cloth. Anybody can use a full height of leather. The real creativity comes in applying your skills to underloved materials. And I think fundamentally we need to decide now whether we're going to be truly creative, as in, are we going to solve some of the world's biggest problems? or are we going to be destructive? Are we going to contribute to them? And if you want to be considered a creative in my books, if you want to be considered a designer, then get on board with the circular economy, because it's the only thing that's going to deliver resource efficiency or resources at all in, in the future.
0: You mentioned there one of the biggest problems that the world faces. Can you give us a sense of how big the problem is, you know, from your expert viewpoint?
1: The problem with waste is inextricably linked with the, the wider systemic issue of climate change. One of the reasons we have climate change as an issue is because we're simply consuming too many goods. The, the, cre- the, the mining for materials, the growing of materials, the processing of materials, the transport of materials. These these sectors are churning through fossil fuels at an exponential race at rate and at an increasing rate so the opportunity to use materials that already exist where the carbon is already embedded in the material means that you're effectively dramatically reducing your 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 carbon footprint so i think the opportunity is kind of enormous and and and, and don't think ever for one single second just because you're a tiny brand and you're only rescuing 1 kilo of material that it that you aren't doing something spectacular because we started with one hose And now we rescue all the hoses.
0: And you've worked with big brands to achieve your goals at the same time. In 2017, you partnered with the Burberry Foundation to recraft 120 tons of leather offcuts from Burberry into new luxury products. And then Elvis and Cressa sold that. Can you tell us how that partnership came about? And could you share any advice for emerging brands looking to collaborate with fashion houses like Burberry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it it came about over a long period of time. You know, I think everyone often sort of leaps to the end of these things. But we, you know, we started working with firehose in 2005. By 2010, we'd solved the firehose problem and we started looking for other material challenges to solve. And in 2012, we launched our leather rescue project because we'd found a way to solve the leather scrap problem. Now, world leather scrap is 800,000 tons a year minimum. And this is not your old leather jackets. This is just the industrial offcuts. So when we launched this in 2013, uh, there just so happened to be two people from Burberry in the audience who approached us and said, how can we work together? And it took us from 2013 to 2017 to come up with a model for partnership. So, you know, these are, these things happen over a long period of time. They trusted us because we've been around since 2005. They trusted us because we're a certified social enterprise. We're one of the first B Corps in the UK. You know, we have stakeholder partners that sing our praises all the time. So there was due diligence was done. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a long, old journey. And what's really spectacular is that even though we initially signed a five year partnership, um, you know, this is set to continue long into the future.
0: You mentioned that founding in 2005, and I suppose part of the advice is about patience. How have you seen the market, customer demand um, change since 2005?
1: It's been really dramatic, particularly in, let's say, the last five years and then the last two years in particular. So when, when we started, people thought we were crazy. I mean, genuinely, the biggest work we had to do was educating the educating people to understand that decommissioned fire hose could be a luxury textile. And and a lot of people didn't think it was didn't think it was possible. So we have a lot of uh, you know brand adopters and, and early supporters to thank for that. Um, but but in the last five years we've seen a huge growth in let's say the low house sector or the conscious consumption space. There's a lot of people who are thinking long and hard about where they're spending their money and they're spending it more environmentally and they're spending it more ethically. They're asking questions about supply chains. And then in the last two years, it's just gone crazy. And particularly through COVID, we, you know, we're an online brand. We, we, we sell 80, 90% of, of our products directly from our own website. And we saw sales just absolutely leap and we had email after email from people saying, it's a tricky time. If I'm going to spend money at all, I'm going to spend it with a company like yours. And that was, that has been fascinating, absolutely fascinating for us to see happen. You know, we've gone from being pretty much on the fringe in, in the early days to being, you know, I would say still quite revolutionary and avant garde. You know, we definitely don't the conscious sector is definitely not the dominating sector in fashion or in accessories. Um, But let's see what happens over the next five years. If the growth continues at this pace, wow.
0: It's safe to say consumers are increasingly drivers of sustainability in luxury fashion, putting pressure on brands to respond to what is now widely known as the climate emergency. But are those consumer-led pressures enough and maybe what other major drivers are influencing brands to transform at pace and at scale?
1: So consumer pressure is definitely not enough. I, I, I really want legislation. You know, climate change, every, everyone told us 20 years ago that we had 10 years to save the planet. Well, now we really only have 10 years, you know. We're, we're, we, we've left it way too late. We're, we're, we're neck and neck with catastrophe right now. And if we don't have strong global legislation that hopefully comes out of COP26, that, that then I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen. We need to actually get to grips with this crisis with things like a carbon tax. We need to stop subsidizing jet fuel by not having a tax on it. We need to start paying for the ecosystem services that we take for granted. You know, biodiversity loss is, is is the next big challenge after after climate change, and there are brands like ours. So I think the, the probably the most interesting thing that Elvis and Cressy is doing right now is that we in the it, during the pandemic have moved to a farm in order to start a regenerative agriculture project. Because I don't think net zero is enough. I think net regenerative is the only way to go. And for Elvis and I, we didn't feel comfortable with offsetting that that to someone else and outsourcing that responsibility to someone else. So we bought a farm and now we're farmers and it's absolutely spectacular here to know how much we can increase soil health, increase carbon sequestration into the soil, uh, turn our sewage into high yielding crops and fruit. So I think people just have to, again, use their creativity. The companies, the brands themselves have to take responsibility. But yes, I'm afraid we need legislation now.
0: So before we wrap up, I'd like to change gears slightly. Uh, Luxury has embraced the growing trend of secondhand products, and some brands have even entered partnerships with secondary market platforms, thinking of places like Vestia Collective and others. Not too long ago, Elvis and Cressa worked with eBay to set up the eBay for Change platform. From your perspective, what role does e-commerce have in facilitating access to sustainable luxury? And I suppose coming from a brand that knows digital so well, in what other ways can technology propel sustainable practices?
1: So technology is is really a, such a great facilitator. We can have um, we can have customers who need repairs in New York, and because of the internet and because of being able to you know track down the best craftspeople on the the other side of the planet, we can get things fixed without having to ship them back and forth you know i think the this the repairs market the secondary market all of that is facilitated by people being able to go online see great photos and and access these goods you know we we i've always been a huge fan of ebay ebay has always existed in in this space i know that i'm a you know, size four, Diane von Furstenberg. Um, and if I need a dress for an event, I can get one from eBay for, for 50 pounds. I can wear it three times and I can sell it again. You know, I, I think more people have to realize that, that there are these incredible resources, um, surrounding us that consumers can access directly. And yes, long, long, long may we love the secondhand good. Long may we cherish vintage.
0: Thank you, Crescent. and thank you for taking the time and helping us get a glimpse of what is an increasingly sustainable future, hopefully, for luxury. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Luxury. To find out more about changes in the luxury sector, as Mazar's Making Over the Luxury Business Model, or follow the link in the show notes. And to keep up with this series, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go to mazar's.com.